Mm. I think the biggest and most powerful thing, which is what you're all about, is telling your story. And I think the more that people can tell their story and realise it's okay to talk about what happened and it's okay to share that. And I was fortunate enough that I did have a mum and she talked to me a lot about it and we cried together. And I found that really comforting in knowing her story and her process. So I think the more people could probably talk and share their experiences for other families that they realise that it's not taboo and it's not bad and I think the more people tell their story and talk to each other about it the more it's going to seem okay and normal. Welcome to episode 134 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help teach you how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Palliative care is bittersweet. We are grateful to have it, but accepting it requires us to face the frail nature of life. Palliative care extends beyond removing pain and creating comfort. It's about making sure the patient doesn't count days or forget their lives matter for young and old. Ella Stratton is the director of Hass Foundation, an organisation set up to help families with children with life-limiting conditions. Ella began this foundation after her son, Hunter Alfred Stratton, passed away. Since losing her child, Ella has found the strength to tell others of her journey so they can learn from her experiences. And she is also working to serve and nurture others by creating care packages through the foundation. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Ella shares her emotional and moving story of her family's palliative care experience. Ella explains how Hunter and the strength he showed in life motivates her to create programs and services to help others who also find themselves in this heartbreaking situation. This is Ella's version of Be The Drop. This episode talks openly about death, which some listeners may find upsetting. If you or someone close to you need support navigating palliative care for a child, contact the Hass Foundation or visit palliativecare.org.au slash children for an Australia-wide list of support services. Thank you so much, Ella, for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thank you for having me. Well, you have got your item of significance here, and that is something that connects you with your community and also gives us a little bit of context about who you are and what you do. I have. Um, it was an easy choice, and uh, I guess it's what has brought me to where I am today, even though there's a long backstory behind it. So I've got three beautiful boys and my firstborn is 16 and when he was born I was obsessed with buying everything under the sun as most new mums are. I didn't know if he was going to be a boy or a girl so I found this beautiful merino wool rug that had all different colours in it that would have suited a boy or a girl and that was sort of the whole nursery was then framed around this rug and once we had Hunter uh, we had eight precious weeks where he was healthy and then from eight weeks on he became significantly unwell and then we went through a massive journey of hospitals and illness but this rug 
he was wrapped in from the day he was born and then went with him everywhere. And hospitals are certainly not the most colourful, bright, cheery places. So he had this beautiful, bright, colourful rug that went everywhere with him to cheer up the hospital ward. And everybody knew that it was Hunter in the hospital because we were there for so long as well by his rug. And it's now become very significant because the foundation we've started, all of the branding, all of the symbols that we use is all based around the rug colours. The rug is a very special item that we hold dearly since Mm. Hunter passed away. It's a big thing that you, you know, you've gone through your journey. It's something that no parents, you know, want to go through. No. But you're doing something about this. From your experience, you have created a foundation to, you know, help other families who potentially find themselves in this horrible, distressing situation. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, We were fortunate enough to have Hunter for nearly 12 years And going through the journey that we went through with him was so difficult and so heartbreaking up and so joyous at the same time that we had him for so long. But we had such a journey of highs and lows, but we were so fortunate that we had great family support. Um, I was able to stay home and look after the boys. We had houses that we could go away to and things like that that I've stood back and it's taken me a good three years after him passing to gather myself up and brush off negativity and and sad feelings, even though they're still there, but to move forward to actually do something for other families that don't have the same opportunities that we did and realise that the knowledge that you get from being in that situation and going through all of that, I feel like I couldn't not help other families and I couldn't not do something to impart that knowledge and help people with the information that we have. It's such a commendable and and powerful position to be in because, you know, losing your child could quite easily be all-consuming. You know, it's heartbreaking. Absolutely. So to then be able to turn around, it takes incredible strength. So first of all, that's amazing. Thank you. Well done and thank you for, you know, on behalf of other people who you will support. So what exactly is the foundation aiming to do? So the Has Foundation is... Hunter Alfred Stratton Foundation, which is obviously in legacy of Hunter. We were with Paediatric Palliative Care for three years and Paediatric Palliative Care has such a connotation that no one really knows about. They only really know about aged care. They know about, you know, old people and they go in a hospice and they pass away in a week or two or a month. And that's all we really have been conditioned to learn about. We were in the same boat that happened. poor doctors tried to refer us for years and years to palliative care and I was like no don't be silly I'm not doing that Hunter's not going to pass away but if I'd actually known the support and the umbrella and the network to be able to help advocate for us with our schools and and with different organizations I would have signed up a long time before but I didn't actually understand what it was about so with us starting the foundation, um, we realise how much of a lack of awareness is out there about palliative care for children. In South Australia, there is no hospice, there is no ward in the hospital. It's literally just a team of amazing people, of about seven people in office, that go and visit families at home to try and alleviate as much stress, keep them out of the hospital as much as possible, um, to do what they can to help support them and make life that little bit easier. 
What we're trying to do with the Has Foundation is take that even another step. We're in the process of creating Has to Care packs. So when the nurses go in for their first referral, either into home or to hospital, pretty much breaking a family's heart that they are now under this umbrella of palliative care. And it might be for years. We were there three years. I know families that were with the service for eight years. And it's also for bereaved families as well. So the service actually never ends. So what we're doing with our care packs is, from our knowledge, being a parent, all the things that you would have liked or used or found nurturing or caring or for the siblings, for the sick child, for the mum, for the dad, um, we're putting these packs together to say you're not alone and we're here to help you and um, there is someone that cares because it is a very isolated time and it's only a small group but it is very isolating because your child's so sick that you are home a lot or you're in hospital a lot, you can't get out a great deal. So I just want families to know that there is an organisation out there that we're really looking to care. And there's other programs that we're looking to look into a podcast, for example, to be able to have as a tool for families to be able to tap into information because it is such an area that's not talked about. It's such a delicate topic and there's nowhere for families really to access a whole lot of information. Mm. Death is a conversation that people do avoid. Mm. You know, as you say, it's a delicate topic. Everybody's heart breaks at, at life lost young. But it is such an important conversation to have because, as you say, from your personal experience, it's incredibly isolating. Mm-hmm. So you're really using your story and your personal experience to help others through that. Definitely. I'm just hoping that we can change and shift a little bit of people's understanding of palliative care and that we can um, make it not be such a taboo topic and that the quality of life is not necessarily about the quantity of life. So whatever we can do to make these families have amazing memories because that's all you are left with and photos are such a big thing and creating memories that everything that we did as holidays and times together are such precious um, moments that we hold on to now and so we want to be able to help these families have time away we're involved with the um, women's and children's hospital foundation beach house that's being built down at encounter lakes which will be a house for families to go and have a week away a few days away we can even facilitate end of life care there if that needs to happen Um, and the has foundation is going to be in supporting the ongoing running of that over time and that's the first facility in South Australia that's um, like that for these families and it's a horrible thing to have to be through to reflect back and realise that those things were so important but now I want to be able to stress to everyone that those moments are important, hang on to them and, and, and enjoy them and for so many families they don't have the opportunity to go away. Um, after Hunter passed we took off overseas for two weeks and lots of families don't have that opportunity where if they can even go down there after their child passes away and just have some solitude and some family time and reflection time and then we're going to go do things from a very basic basic level for families. Um, Food was such a big thing to help. So we really want to get food to to families that's cooked and wholesome and be able to get food delivered and those really basic little things that make a big difference in a family's day-to-day running. Mm, yes, absolutely. My son was born premature, my second son, and I remember during that time when he was still in hospital and people mm. brought food around. Mm. It's just like you're just like, oh, 
just that detail you don't have to think about when so you're true. so consumed with other details. Exactly. And you don't want to be eating rubbish all the time and you don't want your other kids eating rubbish. So just to ha- have that nurturing, wholesome meal is psychologically somehow it's really therapeutic. Mm. So then during your journey, you Hunter is your eldest. Yes. So then you had two more children as yes. well. What was that process like going through? You were still, you know, obviously in, in care mode for Hunter mm-hmm. and then having two more children. That I feel like that would be tough. Yeah, it was really scary. My poor middle child, I tried to do everything by the book to every point with what I ate while I was pregnant down to doing every form of flashcard and everything um, after he was born to try and get it right this time in my mind um, as Hunter, you know, from eight weeks old started having seizures and was having up to 100 seizures a day and going forward with lots of complex needs with diet and health and um, disabilities. So having the other two boys was very, very scary but the best thing we could have done. They are just my blessing to be able to keep going and it would have been a lot harder now having no children Mm. after losing Hunter. And that that comment that you made there about, you know, doing everything right this Mm. time round, like Mm. the the blame and the guilt, Mm. which I hope by now you realise is completely unjustified. We all have those, you know, internal battles with all of those things as mother guilt at times. but how do you deal with that? And is that something you help other mums, you know, and and families as well, like not to blame themselves? Yeah, I don't get a lot of interaction at the moment with the families. I work very closely with the paediatric palliative care team it's delicate to be able to deal with the families they are starting to look into programs where they've got sort of a bit of a mentor that a family that has been through it even though it's such a difficult thing to talk about and I think the biggest and most powerful thing which is what you're all about is telling your story and I think the more that people can tell their story and realize it's okay to talk about what happened and it's okay to share that and I was fortunate enough that I did have a mum whose son passed away about 18 months before Hunter and she talked to me a lot about it and we cried together and we our boys had been at um, kindy together, little special needs kindy and things together. Um, and I found that really comforting in knowing her story and her process. So I think the more people could probably talk and share their experiences for other families that they realize that's not wrong what they did or that's not right, that it's whatever feels right for you and that it's not taboo and it's not bad and if you want to keep them home afterwards for three days it's okay you don't have to you know whisk them off or however you want the process and palliative care are amazing um, service with making everything you choose be okay but I think the more people tell their story and talk to each other about it Mm. the more it's going to seem okay and normal Mm. I 100% agree. The more we share our stories around this, the more we can try and and fit into something that is really uncomfortable and upsetting Mm. because you're already going to be emotionally upset. So trying to remove some of those barriers, the taboo barriers, Mm. is so incredibly, you know, important and helpful. You know, you also said that, you know, it took you three years to really come to terms and come around. So I suppose time is a really important factor in this as well. Time is. 
um, everybody says time heals. It certainly doesn't heal. It actually equals distance. Um, I just feel that the waves of grief just get further and further apart. That's how I visualize it. That at first the waves are very, very close together. And then the waves just get further apart where you've got a little bit more of a gap in between where you can actually think and function and start to normalize. And you never go back to how you were there's always a I I feel like a totally different person to how I was before that's your new normal so you've just got to go with it and as a family how do you talk about it how do you communicate it you know how do you work together around dealing with the new normal yeah I think you know you just take day by day and keep functioning Um, and in that three years of me being in in my mind totally absent we all were fed, we all got up, we all went to school, we all functioned, but I don't really have a great memory of it all. I was just in robot mode, I think, in automatic mode, and it took me quite a long time to actually pull myself out of that and be able to think about other things. But as a family, we've all been through that stage and all different, um, quite differently. Uh, The boys have a lot more questions as they're getting older. And, you know, we deal with that and chat as they arise. And I've just always been totally honest, very open, not made anything they've thought or felt wrong um, and tried to normalize it for them as much as possible because you know they're the only ones at school that have had a sibling pass away Mm -hmm. um and people don't know that they've got an older brother and um you know they have these fantasies about the what ifs if they had an older brother Mm -hmm. so you know we all have those moments where you think about it my husband as well you know the hunter would have just turned 16 in December so he had to go out and buy a, a new car that was like a second-hand car to to do up because that's what he would have been doing with him so we all have to you know deal with those what-ifs as they arise and work through it together and be open and honest I guess and talk mm. Mm. And, and allow yourself to have those feelings I suppose oh, absolutely and not a day goes by that something doesn't hit me like a sledgehammer and I find myself in tears at times um, and, you know, whether you're talking with girlfriends or normally it's just little things that just hit you and trigger you and it's never going to go away. Um, and I think it's more we talk about that as well so that people realise it's okay to feel those feelings, don't push them down, don't push them away and talk about it. And I use that as um, a way to keep moving forward by going, okay, I can get through this. If I've got through this, I can get through anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like it's something that, you know, people need to get over. No. It's a a way of just managing that aspect. Exactly. Exactly. And Hunter had the most amazing disposition and the most amazing nature that everybody warmed to him. And he had such courage and strength that we feel that we can't pack it all up and rock in the corner because he was such a fighter and got through so much and had so much tenacity that for his legacy we, we've got to keep going for him. Yeah, and what a great motivating force that is. Yeah, definitely. So then you've set up this foundation. What were the biggest challenges for you? How do you set up a foundation? Um, So the biggest obstacles were myself Mm. um, with my lack of understanding that I I know what I'm good at and it's taken me a while now to actually relax and realise it's okay all those things that I'm not good at. I can find people to help me and just focus on what I am good at. So to begin with, the hardest thing, 
thing was, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? Because I don't know where to start, but I am good at talking and I am good at creating ideas and having thoughts. So it was just a matter of communicating it and putting it out there and then starting to tap into the people that I knew and then who they knew and then it just starts to grow. And we've been really fortunate with um, the background through my husband's work, doing all the due diligence and all of that side of things to make sure that we get the foundation right and do the right thing. And then with a branding and marketing to get the logo right and get the philosophies and a manifesto. And, but I, it wasn't actually that hard in the end because Hunter gave us all of the material to use, you know, whether it was the colours from the rug for the logo to at his funeral, we had an acronym of Hunter, which is humility, unconditional love, never give in, together, eternal love and respect with the Hunter acronyms. And so that's pretty much our manifesto and our philosophy for the foundation. So he gave us all the material with his nature and everything that he was about. Mm, good on you. And I think it's so, it's so interesting that those those barriers, you know, first your own in self-doubt mm-hmm. and then realising that, that that you don't need to do mm-hmm. everything and getting, a you know, a team of other people. They're such common, you know, barriers and realisations that I think so many people people go through you know that moving on and going that it doesn't have to I don't have to do it all yeah and let's build the people around us and it was quite empowering and it's only happened in probably the last month that I've actually got that oh that's okay I don't have to do all that and I don't have to know every single little thing and it be really overwhelming that I can say I don't know how to do that can you please help me Mm. and that it's okay to ask for help and that's thanks to my husband thanks to a couple of podcasts I've been listening to various people that I've gone okay I can actually not do everything and ask for help is okay and I'm not going to look stupid or dumb or any of those things that go around and around in your head. No. So that's been quite empowering. Yeah, well, and see, Be The Drop, you know, is, is based on my love of the saying a waterfall begins mm. with one drop. And for me, you definitely embody the drop and, as you say, you've got the ideas and the passion and the drive mm. and you're just bringing these other drops who've got the other skills you need yeah. to create your waterfall. That's so. exactly right. I've been telling everyone about that. I love that analogy. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not my own. Bryce Courtney wrote it in The Power of One. Oh, is- okay. I love that movie too. <laughs> or book. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, there you so, go. Yes, when I read that book many years ago I was like oh yes for me it's about you know how we can all come together to make a difference but it does need that drop it Mm. needs that initial drop definitely so for you is there any sort of saying or quote that inspires you well the first thing that came to mind when I read that you were asking about that it's obviously I've watched way too many kids cartoon movies over the years of having three boys but it's what goes around and around in my head constantly and it means a whole lot of things is thanks to Dory from Nemo is keep on swimming and during the time when Hunter was sick during times when it was stressful, when the kids are going crazy, all I just kept having over and over in my head is keep on swimming, keep on swimming. And it just is that whole mantra of look forward, stay positive, keep going, no matter how hard it is. It's okay to drop your bundle, but just keep going in one way or the other. We all drop our bundle and have crazy times, but if you just keep moving forward, 
and keep on swimming. So Dory is my motivation. <laughs> Fantastic. But I mean, and it's and it's pure and simple, isn't mm. it? Though mm-hmm. you just got to keep on swimming. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for sharing your story. I really do hope the foundation grows and you can achieve these really, really critical, important things that you're working towards. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this opportunity. Gosh, I could talk for hours with stories and things that we want to do, but I'm so grateful just to get this platform to start to communicate. Yeah, well, I think the stories that you're talking about are ones that really need to be heard. So well done and keep on telling them. In conclusion, though, do you have any advice that you would say is the key way that you think is the way to get your message heard? So that's your be the drop tip. My be the drop tip. Um, As I think I've spoken the whole way through, it's just keep telling your story. Be honest. Be your truthful self. Find out what really drives you. I've got quite obsessed now with this foundation, obviously because it's my true meant-to-be thing. And I think once you find what that is that sparks you, it's just naturally and organically happens and that's your motivation to just keep going and stay positive and keep on swimming. (laughs) Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ella. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.